When the producer of Resident Evil 2 started planning the game, he had all intentions for it to be the last game in the series. But this idea wasn't popular amongst his team, and one person in particular had a novel suggestion. Of course, we know now that the Resident Evil series has continued to exist beyond the second game. So just what was the suggestion? And how did it help turn Resident Evil into the media powerhouse that it exists as today? We're going to answer these questions and more as we tell you the story of Resident Evil 2 on today's trip down memory card lane. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. I hope these words find you well. Hello and welcome to the 125th episode of our video game history podcast, A Trip Down Memory Card Lane. Each week, we will tell you a story about one topic relevant to the current week in gaming history. It can be about a game, a console, a person, or just something relevant to the current week in gaming history. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the topic, what it took from the world as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world in its legacy. Today, we're going to tell you the story of Resident Evil 2, originally released for the Sony PlayStation on January 21st, 1998. I'm David Casson, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, who never leaves anywhere without his umbrella. He's my brother, Rob Casson. Rob, don't you ever check the weather? Well, Dave, it's not always about keeping the rain out. Sometimes it's about keeping away those lurky eyes. You don't quite want seeing the shady things you're doing. Or in this case, lurky eyes that are out to eat you. Tomato, tomato. Okay. Do umbrellas work against zombies? I mean, if you keep it between you and them and they don't knock it out of your hand. If you have a point, any pointy stick, you can stab him in the brain and it kills him. So I guess, I guess. I mean, if you're able to find a way to get past their skull, sure. Sure. Could be a really pointy umbrella. Very pointy umbrella indeed, yes. I'm sure there's been a zombie movie somewhere that has killed a zombie with an umbrella. I There's no doubt. I mean, come on, look at the freaking penguin from Batman. I mean, he stabs <laughs> people with his umbrella. I just, I don't know. I don't know, there's gotta be. Well, what are you playing? Well, Dave, this week has seen some Rocket League, some RuneScape, some Warzone. Yep. Um, and not a whole lot else that I can think of at the moment, no. Uh, Risk of Rain. Oh, you got some Risk of Rain in. Yes, I did. A lot of R's this week, uh, but I think that was really it for me this week. How about yourself? A lot of the same, Rocket League, RuneScape, Warzone, but I also started playing Factorio. Ooh. Which I also purchased for you, and you need to join me. Yes, indeedy. But it's uh, another game, and we have a big backlog of those. That we do, Dave. That we do. <laughs> oh, man. Hey, do you remember Resident Evil 2? Yes, I actually, uh, well, he was 
joint had joined us for a previous episode for Resident Evil, but my roommate Colby played a lot of Resident Evil during our time in college. And even since uh, he still streams regularly and does some Resident Evil speed runs and Resident Evil two was part of the repertoire. Um, Not as familiar with it as some of the newer versions of Resident Evil or, you know, sequels in the game series. Uh, but it is definitely one that I have seen played and uh, at least know somewhat. Awesome. Well, we did have Colby on when we brought up the first, when we did an episode on the first Resident Evil. But Rob, that was almost 100 episodes ago. Holy damn. I know, it was episode 30. Wow. <laughs> Time cur- flies when you're having fun. So that being said... I thought that I would take a brief moment since that was almost two years ago (laughs) and um, cover the first one. A really brief summary. If you want to learn about it in detail from someone who knows a lot about Resident Evil, who is our resident Resident Evil friend, you might say. Mm, Yes. Mm. Yeah, uh, I am not that guy. But but our guest that that week was uh, check it out. It was episode 30. I think it's called a pandemic. We should all be afraid of or something along those lines, meaning the the uh, T virus and not, you know, us being stuck at home at the time. But anyway, first Resident Evil was released in 1996 and it was conceived by Takuro Fujiwara as a remake of his earlier horror game, which was called Sweet Home, which we also talked about. Resident Evil was originally planned as a late Super Nintendo game, but was moved over to the PlayStation mid-development, first as a 3D first-person game, and later on in development, it was switched over to the third-person gem that we know today. Now, Fujiwara produced the game, and it was directed by Shinichi Mikami. And, I mean, basically, it was super popular. It sold about 5 million copies, making it the 17th best-selling title on the platform. And it's historically significant because it didn't create the survival horror genre, but it most definitely defined it. It, it became the standard by which survival horror games are held to. Even to this day, I'd say Resident Evil is that golden standard, even though the later games probably don't hold the same pedigree. Um, but Resident Evil is where it all, where it kind of all came together and, and, and moved from obscure games, because I'd say Sweet Home, well, Sweet Home was Japanese, it wasn't American, that's an unfair comparison. But let's just say that I think Resident Evil was the game where it moved from uh, a niche genre to hardcore mainstream. I would say hard um, survival horror is a very mainstream genre today. So, Yeah, I definitely agree. I mean, between that and Silent Hill, those were kind of the staples growing up. Yep. And to be fair, Resident Evil isn't just a video game franchise. It's a freaking media powerhouse nowadays. So that it is um, that it freaking is movies. I'm sure. Isn't there a show out now, too? There's a show out. There was a Netflix show. There was a movie that was a reboot or was the show a reboot? Whatever Welcome to Raccoon City was. I haven't watched any of the new stuff. Um, It was designed as a reboot. But anyways, 
Resident Evil is a media powerhouse, but that almost wasn't the case. So say what? What do you say? What? Roughly about a month prior to the completion of Resident Evil. Development started on Resident Evil 2. About half the staff who had worked on Resident Evil 1 would be moved over to start work on RE2. The director of Resident Evil 1, Shinichi Mikami, would switch and now be the producer of the game. And one of the planners for RE1, Hideki Kamiya, would step into the director role. Now, right off the bat, there were some basic goals that the development team set off with. They wanted to retain the same sense of fear that the original game was known for. And in order to do so, they knew that they had to come up with a different scenario and different characters because the characters from the first game were very seasoned at this point and it didn't make any sense for them to be scared just if you threw them into a new environment. Now, everyone's scared, but I mean, there's a different level between I don't know what the hell is going on and I, I'm scared of these zombies because I know exactly what they can do, you know? I mean, I think that there's going to be a level of fear no matter what when dealing with the undead. Just gotta say. True enough. So, the decision was made right off the bat to introduce two new characters who had... No experience of the previous zombie situation. Now, one of the characters was Leon Kennedy, who actually did end up in the final game. Well, one of the others was Elza Walker, who did not. Now, Elza was said to be a college student and a motorcycle racer. I don't know why that was significant. And she was vacationing in Raccoon City, which was also her hometown, who vacations in her hometown, but I digress. That's what was down on her profile. And Resident Evil 2 was initially kind of different than it is now. They designed the zombies with fewer polygons because they wanted to allow more enemies to fit on the screen. As Mikami would say in an interview, the number of on-screen enemies would be increased to seven or more to produce a sensation of terror as monsters swarm around the character. Now that's a little different from the first one because the first one didn't really play on zombies at numbers. It played on, I don't know, jump scares and not knowing what was around the corner, which I guess would be a jump scare, huh? But never really played with the concept of being swarmed, per se. So yeah, so they really wanted to to increase the number of enemies on the screen and just kind of give you a sense of being overwhelmed. Unlike... What we got, the main characters weren't designed to cross paths, and each of them would have two characters, two support characters, instead of one, which they ended up with in the end. And in their stories, players would cross paths with a lot more survivors who would progress the story. And the environment, well, it was said to be more modern and clean than the first game. They program dynamic music into this version meaning that the music changed with the action and they had pre-rendered backgrounds that were designed to change as the events changed as well so there were all these things that they had 
set down, laid the groundwork for, and changed, um, you know, music and backgrounds and more enemies on screen. Also, they programmed the costumes to reflect damage received by the enemies. You know, for the most part, they had the whole game figured out. In fact, they laid the groundwork and got down to work. And with all this in mind, they got 60, let's say this 60, 70, 80, 80% through the entire game. Now it wasn't a smooth process. The producer, you know, the director from the first game, Mikami and the director of this game, Kamiya, they did not get along. It said that they had lots of creative differences. Mikami. And this is where it comes around. Rob planned to end the series here at resident evil two. And this was not a popular decision, not amongst the team working on it, not amongst higher ups at Capcom. They just, this, this wasn't, this wasn't what anyone had in mind. Now, one supervisor who did not agree with this decision, thankfully was Yoshiki Okamoto. And he looked over the story and his opinion was that it was too conclusive for future installments. Now, we've met Okamoto before. He we talked about him in a few episodes. He played a role in the creation of the Red Dead franchise. And he was Rob, I don't know if you'll recall this, but in our Street Fighter episode, do you remember how Street Fighter was conceived at all? You know, I would have to go back and listen to that episode. I don't recall, which can be done on our website, which can be done on our website, www.memorycardlane.com. All right. So Street Fighter was conceived in a sales meeting that the designer was bored. And so he started scribbling ideas down on a piece of paper. And in that meeting, he scribbled down, which essentially was the first notes or ideas or picture of anything related to street fighter now the guy sitting next to him at the time was okamoto and okamoto coincidentally we haven't done an episode on it yet but we will okamoto would actually take street fighter from the guy and be the producer of street fighter 2 which of course we know street fighter 2 was the game that like made street fighter a household name so um, so Okamoto is a very relevant guy in gaming history in general, has ties to Red Dead, has ties to Street Fighter. And here we likely have him to thank for saving the Resident Evil franchise, because the guy that was in control of it of the time, who was his subordinate, who, you know, the director of the first one, this producer, of the second one, he had it stuck in his mind that the, the Resident Evil was going to end here. I don't know why. I mean, the first Resident Evil was a smashing success for them. So, yeah, I, I, I don't know. But that was a decision. Thankfully, Okamoto, re- Okamoto did not agree, and he was in a position to do something about it. So, Okamoto's idea, what he proposed to the team, was the creation of a fictional universe that would turn Resident Evil into a meta-series. His idea, he was inspired by Gundam or James Bond, in which each installment of the series would be a self-contained story that only had common elements that tied them together. Admittedly, that's what they are now, huh? Uh, yeah, I would definitely say that's what they are now. Yeah, so we have Okamoto to thank for that. 
Now, between this and all his disagreements with the director, Kamiya, the producer, Shiniki Mikami, he at that point decided to withdraw from any hands-on role in development. So he was still producing, but prior to this, he was really in there, hands-on, gave his input and everything, you know, really involved in the day-to-day. And this was kind of the final straw. Disagree. He was overrode in every which way. And he's like, look, I'm going to help, but like not day to day. So he pretty much withdrew from making RE2 and um and so it became Mikami's thing. Now while this was all happening, Okamoto was introduced to a professional screenwriter named Noboru Sugu Sugimua Sugimua. See, I got there somehow. Sugimua's credits, squeaky squeaky voice, include Emergency Line, The Secret Inspectors, Nebula Mask Machine. Basically, he had been writing for television and film since the mid-70s. Um, one of the more notable things that he's known for, we've talked about before, and that's the Super Sentai series, which is what the Power Rangers became here in the United States. When did we talk about the Power Rangers? Uh, it, was an ep- it was an episode where we talked about that genre of, of TV we learn what it was called like T- Tessanuki or something like that. We'll learn about what it was called in Japan, but it was that style where like, remember the superheroes uh, with all the costumes and everything. And it was the inspiration for a game. And I can't recall right now. And it's really bothering me, but we learned all about the super Sentai sen- Yeah. Sentai series. Anyways, he wrote multiple because it was like seasons and this was this concept where they were meta seasons. So season 15 had a name and season 16 had a name and he wrote in multiple series related to Super Sentai. Um, Anyway, coincidentally, he was a a big Resident Evil fan, really enjoyed the first Resident Evil, met Okamoto and Okamoto had the idea for Tsujimara to look at the script and help them resolve some of the issues that they had with it which he did and okamoto was so impressed with the ease in which he was able to work through their problems that he asked him to sit down and basically rewrite the entire plot for resident evil 2 now one of his most significant contributions before we move on and talk about what this meant at this point was that he made the suggestion to rework the character of elza walker into claire redfield And Claire Redfield is the sister of one of the characters from the first game. And that tied the two games together. I'd say that was a very significant contribution uh, and probably knocked the pants off of everyone. You know, I would definitely have to say so. Yeah, Dave, that's that's a a pants knocking off thing. Certainly is. You know, so at this point, like I said, the team is 60, 70, 80 percent done. It was said and they were months away from a release, but still the decision was made to, to scrap the entire thing. Mikami would later go on to explain that he felt the game really wouldn't have reached the desired quality in time for its original release date. And that the gameplay and the locations of what they've worked on so far were dull. And it just didn't meet his vision of what he wanted resident evil to, to be, for his for the fans so they scrapped it um we now call that version resident evil 1.5 and the team 
would move on from it. So for starters, Okamoto had Sujimara sit down with the whole development staff. Together, the planners redesigned the whole game um, from the ground up to fit his changes to the plot. And in order to make up for the disappointing fact that it wasn't going to release anywhere close to its original release date, because they were basically starting from scratch months before its original release date, the team basically was sent, the majority of the team, was sent to work on Resident Evil Director's Cut. Resident Evil Director's Cut was shipped uh, with a playable preview disc of the new RE2, something that they were able to put together on it in order to promote the game and apologize to players for its delay. So that was basically the concession we all got for what ended up being almost a year delay of Resident Evil 2. Woo! So they reworked the director's cut and we got that disc which I freaking remember. Oh my God. We'll get to that, but the hype, all oh, the hype. And then the original team went back to work on resident evil Two, the resident evil two that we know and love today. Um, it said that approximately um, 50 people worked on it across about 21 months between the two versions those are rookie numbers today, but they were really impressive for 1998. And one of the main things they added to this version while we're on the topic is the zapping system, something that I remember being so freaking cool about this game. Basically, there were two playable characters, as we already know, and these two playable characters had different puzzles, different storylines, but at some points they converged, so to speak. So you'd finish the first scenario, let's call it the A scenario, with one of the playable characters. And then you'd play through the game with the other character in the B scenario. And basically you would see the same events through a different perspective. Now, we have a lot of co-op games and games have taken on a whole different concept. So that's something that's really, I'd say, more common nowadays. But this is one of the first games I ever remember you being able to play the same, let's say in action games, RTS was kind of doing it, but let's say in action games, let's say cinematic games like this. This is one of the first games that I really remember them ever doing something like that, where you could, you could, um, where you, you could see the same event from two different perspectives. And, and frankly, I would have been, this came out in 98. I would have been 14, about to turn 14. I would have been 13 going on 14 when this was released. And uh, that blew 13-year-old me's mind, to be honest with you. So I think it's cool when games still do it these days, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely agree with you there. It is pretty cool. When you have, and not just, and not just games, but movies, books, when you have the wherewithal, the 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 foresight, especially books. I've I've seen it done where like an author will write one book in a series, and then another book about a different character will come out a few years later, and there will be the same scene in both books. When you have the ability to plan your story so well that you can plan for moments like that, like that creative ability, I think is amazing. 
and they did it here with what they call the zapping system, which was inspired by, while we're on the topic, it was inspired by Back to Future Part 2, which does exactly the same thing in film. It offers a different perspective of the story than Part 1. So that's where they got the idea from. And as I noted, they reworked Elsa into Claire. They had to nix most of the assets from before because they really wanted this game this time around to have a Hollywood-like story presentation. And that meant redesigning a lot of what was already made. Um, they nixed the idea to have costumes reflect damage because they, they designed really high polygon character models for, for the main characters, for Leon and Claire. And they didn't want to ruin it with this concept. So instead they converted the game to they converted the game to have players limp to reflect heavy damage. Again, something really awesome. I don't I know they existed, but I mean for a game for for a character to reflect its damage visually, that was such a cool concept for the time. And yeah. They made it. The voice casted voiceovers. They created they created full motion videos uh, by filming stop motion animation of action figures, and then they got artists to turn the the animation into cutscenes for the game. And they they managed to put an entirely new version of Resident Evil Two together. Originally, it was supposed to come out in May of nineteen ninety seven. And they were able to get it released in January of 1998. So that's a what? Eight month delay, roughly? Yeah, sure, let's do math. So they basically made the entirety of Resident Evil 2 in eight months. Damn. Took right. me about that long to finish it. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So for those of you who don't know, Resident Evil 2 is a survival horror game. In it, you control, like I said, one of two characters, Leon Kennedy or Claire Redfield, who both must escape Raccoon City after its citizens are transformed into zombies by a biological weapon. And this game takes place roughly two months after the events of the original Resident Evil. In order to escape, you have to explore the city, fight off monsters, solve puzzles, each playable character has a support character that is with you for most of the game and part of the story and like i said you got the zapping system where the stories kind of converge at points which was super cool but um that's that's resident evil 2 i there was a lot of hype around this a lot of hype i mean resident evil was super great and then we were all so excited for resident evil 2 there were commercials everywhere flyers and magazines like it was the the thing and it was disappointing when it got delayed and then leading up to its release was super exciting i remember this is one of those games i don't think we ever bought it was one of those games like i was there on opening at the video store the day it came out trying to rent it type game which we couldn't always buy games, so we did that a lot. I did that a lot. Yeah, no, I I did too. There were a lot of games that rented, and you know, it was always, can we be the first ones to get it from the rental store today? Can we? Yep. Can we? Can we? Yep, yep. 
Can we call? Can you hold it for us? We'll be there in three minutes. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah, so this one, this one was great. This one was great. I, this one was great. You know, I, I'll talk a little, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a table, table that thought. Rob, I, I have a lot to say about it, but there's a very specific reason I want to wait until after in the legacy portion. So with that being said, I'm going to turn it over to you. Tell me what other people thought about this game. Alrighty, Dave. Well, today we're going to be kicking it off with the computer and video games, who in 1998 wrote that you knew that this was going to be awesome. And it most certainly is. <laughs> you won't get much better on your PlayStation for a very long time. And GamePro in the same year said that Resident Evil 2 is a sequel that not only meets expectations, but easily surpasses them with ease. Once you begin this game, you're hooked. Once you finish, you'll drool for more. Resident Evil 2 is frighteningly good. Ultra Game Players said that Capcom certainly had a lot to live up to with this game, especially with the original Resident Evil still being one of the top titles available for the PlayStation. Much to their delight, it was managed not only to deliver a game that equals its predecessors in terms of sheer thrills and chills, but one that exceeded wildest expectations. For the first game proved thoroughly engrossing, Resident Evil 2 drew them in entirely. Capcom has managed to create an atmosphere so convincing that they caught themselves teetering on the edge of reality many times throughout, feeling they truly were being stalked by zombies. It takes a lot to pull them far into a gaming experience, and Resident Evil 2 did it with ease. To put things simply, it really is like a superbly done horror film that you're controlling. Something that many a horror fan has longed to do. You know, that's a really good point. It really was like playing a film. And again, the concept of a cinematic game has gone so far. And ironically, we've recently maybe turned a corner because on Sunday, The Last of Us, one of the most popular and highest rated games of all time, was turned into a TV series that pretty much all the critics are calling the greatest TV adaption of a video game ever. So I think we may have just come full circle on everything. But the point is, is cinematic video games were relatively new at this point. And um, no, they really weren't relatively new, but there are certain games that elevated the concept. And this was definitely one of them that elevated the concept. So I say new when we've done episodes on like, Prince of Persia and Alone in the Dark, which are 80s games, which were cinematic games, going, hey, this one invented the cinematic game. Durr. Nah. This yeah, Dave, it. durr. Okay. <laughs> so last up, we have GameSpot, who reviewed this in 2000. And they said that Resident, the original Resident Evil remains one of the PlayStation's most successful games. It was so popular, in fact, that inspired a slew of similar horror-themed action-adventure games for the system. And while many could cite Resident Evil as the originator of this formula, the fact is that a lot of these games took their blueprints from a PC game, which we talked about before, is Alone in the Dark. Resident Evil 2 is no exception. Following the familiar formula of suspense achieved through changing perspective and cinematic camera angles, its PC lineage may explain why Resident Evil 2 makes a successful jump from the PlayStation, but only if you accept some decidedly foreign design 
conventions inherent to console games. Resident Evil 2 begins shortly after the first one ended. Raccoon City has been overrun by zombies created by the unscrupulous Umbrella Corp. While heroes of the game are absent from the story-driven portion of Resident Evil 2, you still have your choice of two characters. But it's not really much of a choice. To finish the game, you must play through each section as both characters. Most of Resident Evil 2 takes place in Raccoon City Police Station, where both Leon and Claire have taken refuge from the zombies infestation. Inside, you'll solve a variety of puzzles, which mostly involve finding keys to unlock previously inaccessible areas. The puzzles are simple, and you'll find yourself sliding blocks onto pressure plates and fitting medallions into their resting places. Likewise, the action, while graphic and content, is nothing on the light side. You just point your character in the general vicinity of a zombie and fire your weapon. Neither of these points are a criticism. Resident Evil 2 is an action-adventure game that puts emphasis on neither. Instead, its strength is its atmosphere. The game is both creepy and, at times, frightening. The creature designs are good, as there are both gory scenes of zombies feasting on victims and startling moments of creatures jumping out of nowhere. The translation from the PlayStation is good. Character models are high resolution, though the backgrounds are a bit washed out. The movies, though well-rendered, are somewhat grainy, but look better than those in other console ports like Final Fantasy VII. The PC version of Resident Evil 2 includes all the gameplay modes from both the US and Japanese versions of the PlayStation game, and there are enough extras to satisfy you if you still want more once the lengthy original mode draws to a close. The music is appropriately creepy, with sad piano music floating in and out of the game. The other sound effects don't fare as well. The groaning of zombies is creepy at first, but over time, it becomes tedious and repetitive. The voiceovers are terrible, though they seem appropriate in the B-movie setting. Resident Evil 2's origin as a PlayStation game is apparent. The method by which you save games will infuriate PC purists, it is not only sporadic, but requires an item of which there are a limited number. This is part of the game's design, though, and it would lose much of its suspense without it. But if such conventions annoy you, consider yourself warned. If you can brave its shortcomings, however, Resident Evil 2 is good, scary fun. Do you remember how Resident Evil saves at all? That would be the tapes, uh, like the old school Type, typewriter, typewriter tape. Yeah, typewriters. And, and so, in, so in Resident Evil 1 and 2, you could only save in, in specific rooms that had typewriters. And you had to find typewriter ribbon, uh, typewriter ribbon that was scattered throughout the, you know, um, PlayStation or what have you to uh, be able to use said typewriter. So saves were not. It's not like nowadays where it auto saves every 30 seconds. You had to remember to save and you had to do it very sparing. You could only do it very sparingly. So, yep. Save too many times within a small section and then you have way too much to do without having a save. And that's going to get you hit up pretty hard. I mean, admittedly, we're really lazy with auto save. I'm I'm just as bad as the next person. You know, we didn't have auto save way back when we always had to save and I can't. Um, tell you how many times 
all of us forgot to save and would lose hours of freaking progress because we would die and have forgotten to save. It was it was just a way of life back then. So, you know, it was either that or a power blip. Someone tripped on the power cord or, you know, you let the console sit for a while because you thought you'd be right back and ended up taking a couple hours and it would shut itself down for an auto shutoff feature. There were so many ways to lose your data oh, back then. I know. Every time I see this concept pop up on any forum anywhere, someone's always got a story about how they didn't have a memory card, so they leave their PlayStation on while they were at school and put 40, 50 hours into a game only to find that their parents unplugged the game to vacuum or something stupid yeah. like that. <laughs> that Honestly, that exact story is the one that I was thinking in my head when you started saying it like yeah this is going to be the one where the mom unplugs the console because they needed a vacuum and just lost all of that data yep 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 yep. we all have we all have one of those so well Dave that's it for our critic reviews today so let's go ahead and move right on into our user reviews starting with ETJB for Moby Games who calls Resident Evil 2 one of those rare times when the video game sequel is actually better than the original. Something stinks in Raccoon City, and I don't just mean the undead's reluctance to practice good personal hygiene. Resident Evil 2 features much better graphics, music, and sound effects than the first Resident Evil game. This is not to suggest that the first game was inferior. The first game excelled in all of these areas as well, which makes it all the more amazing that the developers were able to make the sequel look and sound that much better. It's as if, with each new Resident Evil video game, developers found new ways to push the Sony PlayStation hardware capabilities to new heights. Resident Evil 2 also features much better, more responsive controls, with cool new weapons and some new abilities, such as the ability to push a biting zombie away. Again, Resident Evil 1 offered some great control, and it is simply amazing that developers found ways to add to and improve upon the control mechanics when making Resident Evil 2. One of the greatest features of this game is that to fully appreciate all that the game has to offer, you must first beat the game as one character, and then beat the game as the other. Depending on how many times you beat the game, and how long it takes you to beat it, additional secrets and weapons become valuable to you. The game is on two discs. So if you beat the game with Leon, you beat the game's Claire after, vice versa. This greatly adds to the replay value of the game, because who you beat the game with the first or second time, and other little details, will impact the story and how many deep, dark secrets you will be able to uncover. And there are plenty of those to uncover. Heck, the developers even found new and creative ways to make Resident Evil 2 scarier than the first game. The more you learn about the police chief, Umbrella Corps, and how the virus spread throughout the city, the more you will want to play your video game with the lights on. Resident Evil 2 is uncut. Whereas bits and pieces of the first game were censored, everything in this survival horror game is seen, or implied, for all to see. This is not a video game designed for young children or easily scared adults. Survival horror is not a video game genre for everyone, and it is worth noting some of the mature content in this video game. Resident Evil 2 features a high level of graphic violence, blood, and gore. If you blush at R-rated horror films, 
or are too young to watch them, then you might not want to be exposed to some of the content in this video game. The zombies and other mutated monsters you must kill in Resident Evil 2 are creepy and grotesque abominations who have a deep-seated lust for the sweet taste of human flesh. You must put aside your feelings of sympathy, as these zombies and monsters used to be human beings, in order to not just survive, but help other people survive as well. This is also a video game with some rather mature, and even downright perverted, ideas about sexuality. The chief of police in Resident Evil 2 is not only corrupt, but a sexual sadist of the misogynistic sort. Again, it's not as sexually explicit as, say, the infamous Hot Coffee Mood minigame in Grand Theft Auto San Andreas, and the game itself is not endorsing misogyny. However, the content in Resident Evil 2, even the subject, is not something suitable for all ages or interests. But Resident Evil 2 greatly improves upon all that was great, scary, and downright Night of the Living Dead-esque in the first Resident Evil game. Everything about Resident Evil 2 demonstrates not just the creativity of the developers, but also the amazing hardware capability of the Sony PlayStation 1. If you enjoy survival horror, then you must play this game. Next up, Dave, we have Kate Jones from Moby Games, who wrote that every at every aspect, RE1 was bad, Resident Evil 2 is worse. The storyline is beyond horrible. It's impossible to describe in words how much I hate the storyline. It seems to contain every cliche possible. Personally, I like to rank this game series as one of the games with the worst storyline list ever. The voice acting is still bad, though not as horrible as the prequel. The puzzles have actually become more simple and boring. It can now be better called an action game, since basically all you do is fight and fight. And the combat is far more dull this time. In the prequel, you actually had a challenge since ammo and health was scarce. In this game, you can happily walk forward blasting everything in sight with no worries. Now if you force me... I'll perhaps say that the game is enjoyable to play through at least once. It's a short experience, and there's some good points. The game still says some sort of that alone-in-the-dark feeling, and it's got nice music. Those weirdos who enjoyed the prequel a lot will probably enjoy this game as well, but everybody else should just look in another direction. Or if you're totally bored... Borrow the game from a friend, complete it in a few hours, and then toss it away. Or, you know, give it back to your friend, not toss your friend's game away, because that's a dick move. So, as you can see, it wasn't loved by everyone, Dave. Um, It, it definitely had its people for it and its people against, but, uh, yeah. you know, you're always going to have that with every game, and such is life. Um, so, I think that's enough for our reviews for the week. So, what became of Resident Evil after 2? Well, like I said, there was a lot of hype for Resident Evil 2. People had loved the first one, and we were all super excited for the second one. Capcom promoted it with a $5 million marketing campaign, which was really big money at the time. That marketing included a Japanese commercial that was actually directed by famed zombie film director George Romero. How apeshit is that? Promote your zombie game 
with a zombie commercial by the most famous zombie film director of all time. You mean the guy who did Michael Jackson's Thriller? Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, just crazy, crazy, crazy. Um, Resident Evil 2 was an instant hit when it was released. It quickly became the fastest selling video game up until that point. It made the news because the following weekend after its release, the weekend on that weekend, it sold 380,000 copies, which net Capcom about $19 million. In doing so, it broke sales records that had been set by some really large gaming heavyweights like Final Fantasy VII and Super Mario 64. And it surpassed the weekend, the opening weekend revenue of all but one Hollywood movie at the time. So it was a big deal. I mean, it was that, that was a bit, that was a big deal. They sold 3 million copies in the first month and they just kept kind of going from there. Uh, All in all, the original PlayStation version of resident evil two sold 4.96 million copies And to this day, that is still the franchise record for best-selling game on a single platform. Now, later versions have gone on to sell more copies between all the platforms, but there hasn't been any single platform that they've sold almost 5 million copies of a single game. Resident Evil 2 still, um, still holds the record. Still to this day. Still to this day, still holds the record. Best-selling Resident Evil game on any single platform. Um, Holy shit. That's uh, pretty impressive, considering 1998. I know, right? I know. Like, well, in 30 I mean, years? Well, yeah, 25, I, but... I mean, to be fair, like the concept of multi-platform really expanded after this point, but it's still really impressive. I mean, but if you consider... I, I guess I suppose that because... Well, no, if you're considering a single platform, think of all the games that are solely for PlayStation or solely for Xbox. Yeah, PlayStation, I mean, Xbox, PC. I mean, it, 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 it's it's all of them. It's a single best for all of them. So, Though I guess the idea now is you try to stay away from the console exclusives because you make more money if you don't. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I think... We don't get to talk about stuff like this very often, but I I don't know. This might be controversial. I think Resident Evil 2 is one of those rare occasions when a sequel was better than the first one because they took everything that was good about the first game and they made it bigger and better with Resident Evil 2, and we all just kind of ate it up. And also, to be fair, Resident Evil 2 laid the foundation for everything that came afterwards, so it's a great game. It was a great game, and and when I played it, I was probably 14. 14 14-year-old me loved it. It was so cool, the PlayStation. It started out with this big cinematic cutscene that the graphics were awesome. Like, the full-motion video was like, oh, my God, of, like, cars crashing and bursting into fire and zombies and everything, and suddenly you're in the police station, and, um, and then, like, you're in the police station, the first Resident Evil takes place in this big giant mansion. So suddenly you're in a different environment and you know the stakes, but you don't really know what's going on. And also you want to know how it ties to the first one, 
because that's your hope for all sequels is that somehow it ties to what you already know and you're introduced to Claire. Of course, you know her brother from the first game and you're like, holy crap, I want to know what happened to the brother too. And away we go. And it was just so freaking cool. Uh, and I I think for me, it's 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 better. I think for me, it was the better of the two games. Even though the first one holds a special place in my heart for a lot of us because it, it, it was very unique and different. This one just was bigger and better. So... Now, it definitely seems based on the reviews, Dave, that a lot of people felt the same way. The second yeah. one just was, a, a, it, like they said, it's a controversial thing, but a sequel being better than the original. Um, yeah. I I enjoyed the hell out of this game, too, uh, mostly just through watching it. I thought it was a great, beautiful game for the PlayStation era. It played well for those that were accustomed to the controls. It's just this thing had the exact same issue that I had with a lot of the early Resident Evil games, and that was the controls to me just were kind of annoying i didn't like i'm not a big fan of what they call tank controls which is how these games are controlled um i prefer having a camera that i can move myself and i control the camera in one way and my character with another and not do both with the same thing yeah i know it was a limitation at the time but um tank controls are one of those things that i just really despise and have a hell of a time getting behind and that's the only thing that i really dislike about this game uh everything else i think is phenomenal i do think you know, someone made the comment that the zombie grunts can get annoying, and when you mess up a lot and are constantly getting grabbed, yeah, they do get really annoying. But uh, aside from that, the ambience of the game is phenomenal. It fits really well with the story and puts you right in the mood. Um, the cinematics for the time are beautiful, and the storyline, I felt, did a great job of continuing the Resident Evil. You know, I mean... How many games can you make about one corporation screwing up the world? But I guess people haven't learned because here we are uh, quite a few years down the line. They're still having that damn company yeah, doing still, that stuff. Corporations are still screwing up the world. <laughs> so. And we mean in the game. <laughs> cough, cough. <clears throat> yeah, for sure. Well, Resident Evil 2. I mean, it's still around. It, it, it's been ported a ton of times. They made... It's really funny because the first the first re-release of it was the DualShock version. They re-released it to take advantage of the the analog sticks on the DualShock controller and the vibration. And the thought of a a, a time before there were DualShock I don't remember it anymore and it kind of t- it was funny to me like just the thought of no DualShock. Yeah, thinking, I mean it's definitely been quite some time, but I do still recall the original PlayStation controllers without the joysticks. It's a very foreign concept now, though, to think of that, where it's a PlayStation game where it was just the four buttons and the directional pad and your select and start. But yeah, definitely uh, quite some time since I've seen an original non DualShock PlayStation controller. Yeah. Um, I, I, I every time it, we see something like that it's it's weird it's weird to me to think of a time before there was dual shock um yeah uh, back in my day i know i know <laughs> they re-released it for the for nintendo 64 which was really impressive because they managed to fit um the PlayStation version was two discs and those were two CDs of about 700 megabytes a piece 
and they managed to find a way to fit a faithful version of Resident Evil 2 onto a 64 megabyte cartridge. Um, a whole lot of pretty awesome compression stuff. Yeah, not going to lie. I had no idea that this was ever ported over to the 64. That's pretty freaking awesome to know. The 64 I... version actually had higher quality music because the sound team in the middle there was reworking the sound to play back at a higher sample rate. So Nintendo 64 actually has some upgrades. Also, they had a writer. He added 17, I think they're called X-Files. There's like 17 readable documents to add to the lore of Resident Evil and tied to other stories that were told eventually that were tucked into the Nintendo 64 version. So, Wow, that's actually pretty cool. I didn't realize that. Uh, they made a Dreamcast version who... Um, you know, Dreamcast had their little memory card with a, a screen on it, and that screen on Dreamcast version showed your character's condition. And and also, there's a weird one. Tiger made a little handheld machine called uh, Game.com, and they made Resident Evil 2 for it. It was a 2D, or 2.5D rather, black and white sprite version. It didn't have any cutscenes, didn't really have any music. And it only told Leon's story because of the limitations of the uh, handheld. Um, and then, of course, they've been remaking the series. You know, they remade Resident Evil 2 in 2019 on the RE engine, which was the engine they originally used to make 7, the Louisiana one. Uh, Resident Evil 2, the 2019 version, is a remake. It's incredibly well-received. It, it's faithful to the original, just modernized in every which way. In fact, in 2019, when it came out, it got Game of the Year awards for various publications. That's how good it was received by the gaming community. And you can find it on most, most, uh, most places, you know, rating-wise is overwhelmingly positive. It, I don't see much of a reason to really recommend the original as much anymore when you can play the same story remade beat for beat in a lot of ways um and modernized to you know so so many years later um yeah so go play the resident evil 2 try the original if you want but i think the remake is so worth trying to get the same story if you're only in it for the story agreed but if you're in it for the nostalgia definitely oh, try yeah. to pick up an original copy yeah, yeah. If you're in it for the original, by all means. Um, yeah, by all means. Please do. Now, of course, we know now that this did successfully reboot the franchise. The story of RE2 specifically has been used in other Resident Evil games, in case you didn't know. There was a mobile game called Resident Evil Uprising, which is basically a super condensed version of this story. And they came out with a rail shooter for the Wii called the Dark Side Chronicles, which was basically this story reimagined as four key moments in the game. Um, so they've reused the story for a while, and it's been in it's the basis of I think the original comic books that were written around the series. There are novelized versions of it. I'm pretty sure the story's found trickled its way into the movies and TV shows. Um, and of course, we know because we were talking about it, Resident Evil is still a significant video game series to this day. Most recently with Resident Evil Village, which came out in, was it 21 or 20? I think it was, uh, I, I, think it was a, I think it was a pandemic game, so I think it was 2020. 
Uh, and Resident Evil Village is the eighth game in the main series. There are a ton of spinoffs. There's just a ton of Resident Evil is a big, big deal. Still a big deal. And it almost wasn't was. It wasn't was. <laughs> <laughs> it almost wasn't was, Dave. It almost wasn't a thing. If Okamoto hadn't stepped in, the series may have ended with Resident Evil 2. So that, ladies and gentlemen, is your what if. And that is the story of Resident Evil. Like Woo! I said, Woo! like I said, though, we did do a whole episode on the first game along with your roommate, Colby. Uh, if you'd like to check out that episode, we have all of our old episodes on our website and you can check any of them out by going to said website at www.memorycardlane.com. Also on our website at www.memorycardlane.com, you can find a calendar of upcoming episodes if you like to see and plan. Um, there is a way to send us your own memories of the games if you'd like us to tell uh if you'd like us to tell your memories there is a biographies for us there's a link to our discord and there are all there is also a link to our social media i can be found on various platforms as david is wrong rob where can people find you these days i am on twitch with the username fat boy with an i rips with a z that you are well ladies and gentlemen each week we tell you a story about one thing relevant to the current week in gaming history. While doing so, we hope to teach you something new about the topic, what it took from the game as its inspiration, or what it gave back to the world as its legacy. Today, we told you the story of Resident Evil 2. One of the best parts of storytelling week in, week out is that we learn. We learn. We couldn't tell you most of the stuff before we did the research. That's the best part is learning. We do research, we learn, and then we get to share all the fun and cool things that we learn about said games with you. Today, of course, Resident Evil 2. So as part of our commitment to acknowledging that we learn and we teach, we like to talk about our favorite takeaways. So Rob, what did you learn today? Um, I think that the craziest thing is that at being almost completed they're like nah start over yeah it is That's, crazy i mean and especially considering that they still managed to get it done in the time that they did yeah it's it's just it's crazy to think that the game was essentially completely redesigned at one point and just you know who knows how different it would have been had that original been released and that been the resident evil 2 that we all know would the it always makes you wonder if that had been the case, would it be the series that we see today or would that have been it? Yeah. But it's I, just crazy to know that all that time, I mean, you know, you think about now with, you know, hundreds of people on a team, it's that much of a change is a lot of work for a lot of people. And not to say that it's not for a smaller group, but you just have to think that all those weeks, months that you put into that time to have to completely redo it and still be expected to complete it on a short deadline. It just, it, it definitely leads, lends credence to the fact that these developers are uh, freaking awesome. They are. They do a great job and they are not appreciated enough in some aspects. So great job to those who develop games. Great job. So yeah, that's it for me, Dave. I think I just, it always blows my mind to know that there's, something like this could happen that a game could be almost done and then they decide 
man, scrap it, redesign it. Let's do it from the beginning. Take it from the top. So, what about yourself? I, all right, so I knew about 1.5, so that wasn't new to me, but what I didn't know was that we almost, like, that. I didn't know that they planned on stopping. I didn't know Mikami was like, yeah, I think there's only going to be two and then we're done, and he went into this game with that notion. And that's hard to think about now because Resident Evil is, is arguably one of the biggest media franchises to come out of video games. It was certainly the first popular one. You know, nowadays we have a bunch of them, but Resident Evil was the first one to really make it um, as something other than a video game elsewhere, you know, with the movies and what have you. So just the thought that it almost stopped there is kind of crazy to me. So, yeah, no, I that is definitely a, a good point as well. Awesome. 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 Well. That will do it for Resident Evil 2. And before I take it out of here and move on to next week, Rob, what would you like to add to today's episode? Well, Dave, I do want to take a quick moment to say thank you to everyone for listening. Uh, You don't have to worry. We're not going to be zombies and eat your brains out, but hopefully you don't become one listening to our podcast. Hopefully uh, it doesn't turn you into a zombie because that would be pretty messed up very true (laughs) it's back to you dave tell them what we got in plan for next week well next week we're going to tell you the story of the game that was luigi's first starring role in a video game you mean before he got his mansion before he got his mansion there was a game before the mansion so mario is no i'm not i'm not kidding at all released for ms dos in january of 1993 Mario is Missing is one of a handful of educational games featuring Mario and his brother Luigi. And we're going to learn about all of them. All the educational Mario games. There's a whole handful. They all have unique things about them. We're just going to knock them all out. We're going to learn about learning games, Rob. Woo. So stick around and join us as we visit Mario's classroom on yet another trip down memory card lane. Do 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 up dum dum do do.